for those who don't know the man behind Grimm's Toy Show, we want to let our listeners get a brief rundown on how you became a pro wrestling fan. Um, because of Razor Ramon. <laughs> so Razor I, Ramon, you're saying probably uh, early 90s? Yeah, suckered me in hard. So, I was, go ahead. I was like, I would watch wrestling, but like occasionally my friends were more into it. And, you know, they would always talk about this, that, and the other thing. But then, you know, my brother showed me one day. He's like, you got to check out this guy, Razor Ramon. He's new. And it was he hadn't even debuted yet. And he'd do his little promos and stuff. And I was like, oh, man, I can't wait to see this guy. And then when I seen him do the Razor's Edge, I was like, I can't wait to see him do that again next week. And I just then I started watching it every week. And I got sucked in everybody else, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, uh, Tatanka. There was, you know, Diesel. All my favorite guys it was just great. <laughs> so, uh, were you ordering the pay per views back then, or just watching like Superstars and Raw? The first pay per view I ever bought was WrestleMania Nine. WrestleMania Nine. That was at Caesars uh, in um, Las Vegas. Yep. One of one of the, like at the time when I was a kid, I loved that pay per view. But looking back on it now, it was actually one of the worst uh, <laughs> as far as cheesiness went. It was it was pretty cheesy. Um, you know, you you are a wrestler, so you do work, and you do have a relationship with Brian Myers, also known as Kurt Hawkins in the WWE. Tell me some background on when you started training to become a pro wrestler, who you trained under, things like that. Um, I wanted to. I always wanted to be a wrestler, and you know, when I was 12 years old, you know, I would wrestle in my basement on pillows and stuff. And um, you know, once I graduated high school. You know, I had to go to college. My parents were like, you got to go to college. And I said, yeah, but I want to be a wrestler. So I was doing wrestling school and college at the same time. I went to Iron Mike Sharps Wrestling Academy in Asbury Park, New Jersey. And um, I trained there. And then immediately, uh, one of the promoters that ran locally, you know, he just was like, I, I like you, man. You're really good. You know, I, you have a good mind for the business. You really know what you're doing in the ring. You're, you're new and you seem like you've been doing this for years. And he's like, I want to start putting you on shows. And so he did. He immediately just put me right on shows. And I was doing independent wrestling for two years. So were you doing that uh, like in the New Jersey area? Or would you branch off to yes. different places? Yeah. So all like uh, one promotion. Was there a specific promotion you were working with? Yeah, it was in um, it was the year 2001, 2002. And I was wrestling with uh, EWA. It was called Empire Wrestling Alliance. That was the guy that, you know, taken me under his wing. And uh, then we had wrestled in other places, too. One of them I remember was Steel City Wrestling. I don't really remember any of the other names of some of the other places that we went. But, um, you know, we did do other ones here and there. But it was usually like us group of guys from EWA would go all together to some other group. So that EWA promotion, would there be other notable names who were working back then or who would come travel and work shows back then on the, under that promotion? Yeah, we had um, we had Balls Mahoney on a lot. We had Chris Candido. We had Crowbar, um, just to name a few. <laughs> uh, Tom Brandy. Uh, okay, Sal Sincere, yeah. Yeah, Sal Sincere, yeah. Um, and then we had other um, top indie guys like Ace Darling, uh, Mr. Motion, Mike Terrace, uh, Rock and Rebel. Um, so, you know, those guys, those were like the, they were like the top indie guys in mm -hmm. the area at the time. And then, uh, you know, so know. working a... back then and then having some of these guys come into, say, the locker rooms, um, were you guys like established within that promotion where these guys would come in 
and then um basically you know like how would the atmosphere be in the locker room say back then when these guys would come in would everybody see them as superstars or would you see them as just kind of like one of the boys um it, it kind of depended who it was you know a lot sometimes a lot of the guys acted like one of the boys you know and then every once in a while somebody you know kind of acted like they were bigger than you know other people and you know it was always fine you know that's just how it is in wrestling it's still that way today mm-hmm. and, uh you know but i mean everybody was really cool like um i mean i never had any real issues especially with any of the names i never had any issues you know i mean i had issues with some of the other no-name guys but <laughs> for the most part everybody was cool back then okay so back then until say um now where have you been working that whole time as a wrestler or did you take a little bit of time off to yeah, start I, doing i a- stopped i stopped doing live shows I still always found somebody somewhere who had a wrestling ring for me to get into, whether it was just to go practice for the afternoon, screw around with my friends, you know, train with some actual guys. It was, you know, it was always something, you know, that I would do, but I wasn't actually wrestling on any shows. You know, I wasn't trying to get on shows. I I didn't have a show of my own. I wasn't running any shows of my own, anything like that. Not until I started the YouTube thing. Mm-hmm. So when, when did you meet uh, Brian Myers, uh, Kurt Hawkins? Like, when did that relationship start? Well, it started mainly on Twitter because I would make the action figure videos. And mm-hmm. as he is a big action figure collector, him, Zack Ryder, um, a couple of the other guys in WWE as well. Um, and, you know, I guess one of them or somebody found out about my show. And then it, you know, just, I guess, got talked about amongst the wrestlers in WWE. And a couple of them followed me. A couple of them blocked me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he was one of them that, you know, he'd go back and forth. If I ever tweeted him or something or whatever, he would actually reply, you know. And it was cool, you know. And then once he wound up getting released, he showed up at um, one of the Legends conventions where I got to meet him, talk to him. You know, and say, hey, you know, you're not in WWE anymore. Would you ever be open to being on my YouTube show? He said, absolutely. And uh, we just took it from there. Well, um, so a lot of people want to, want to know. They've they've watched the National Geographic documentary many years ago, the TV show. Um, right. And there was um, your wife on that, also known as Heel Wife, and how she felt about your love for pro wrestling at the time, your your quote-unquote addiction your collection, things like that. How scripted was that show? Um, pretty much a hundred percent. Pretty much that, that. That's what a lot of people are thinking. Like, uh, just by some of the reactions, it kind of seems a lot like some of the YouTube stuff, um, where it's uh, almost like very reality based. So yeah, and how, mean, did, how did that opportunity come up? Uh, th- that show. I mean, I was on YouTube for six months. I think I had 10,000 subscribers, you know, when, you know, I was actually getting tons of offers from television and I was barely a, a, a name on YouTube. Like, you know, I feel like now I'm actually considered one of the bigger YouTubers Definitely. and, you know, especially in wrestling anyway. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't get any kinds of offers now. But back then I was getting tons of offers and I was barely even a, a known on YouTube. And it was um, they had contacted me about, you know, uh applying for this show and it was supposed to be a full-on series and they were gonna um it was supposed to be a series where every week it was almost like going to be a reality show of my youtube show but on television and that 
you know, they, they interviewed us, you know, and they said, we're going to do this. We want you guys on it. You guys are great, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, great. And then they came and they filmed the first episode and they couldn't sell it to television. I guess whoever said, eh, nobody's going to care about some fat guy who collects toys. And then they came back and they did a whole reshoot. So they kind of turned it into a documentary to sell it to National Geographic. And what's really funny about that is if you pay attention, you can notice when the reshoots are because I gained like 10 pounds <laughs> and my wife's hair completely changes color from one scene to the next. <laughs> I actually didn't notice that. Like I watched it not too long ago because there is a link on YouTube and I actually didn't notice that. But speaking of YouTube in 2011, that's right when you started the original channel. Um, so give us like a brief rundown of how like you started the whole YouTube channel. Like what made you think, okay, I'm going to start, uh, you know, showcasing some of my uh, action figures and things like that on YouTube. Well, basically what happened was, you know, I made some videos to make my friends laugh and, you know, the best way to share it with them was to put them on YouTube, you know? And, you know, I had had, you know, the camera and the ability to upload to YouTube and I said, oh, this is cool. You know, I didn't even know you could earn money from it or anything like that. I was just making funny videos to make my friends laugh. And then it became, you know, after they were up for a few months, they had a bunch of comments. Oh, these are funny. You should make more. You should make more. That actual people other than my friends were watching them. And I said, oh, wow, I should make more of these. And then it was like, oh, you could also earn money, you know? And I was like, at the time, really not doing well financially at my job. And I was like, I can't even collect toys. I can't even afford them right now. You know, maybe if I get a couple dollars off YouTube, I could afford some toys. So it was kind of a necessity of I won't be able to collect toys. I won't have any money for it unless I start making some videos and getting some money from them. So and it kind of worked out. Now you're you're running pay-per-views on the channel and I'm sure you're aware of all types of YouTube ad policies. Is has this affected your channel say over the last year or so um with you know, the different uh, monetization rules and how wrestling gets targeted. And even more recently, how they've rolled out uh, the new monetization, uh, the different icons where they have the green icon, the yellow icon, things like that. Yeah, I mean, basically, like I said, you know, I started the channel hoping to earn a couple extra dollars to buy some action figures. And then, you know, the channel just did so well that I was able to say, okay, now I can afford to buy some tables to jump through. You know, and maybe the fans will like that. And then it was, you know, investing, always investing to make the show more exciting and better and bigger and getting costumes and then, you know, getting wrestlers like, you know, Kurt Hawkins on the show and stuff. You know, that stuff doesn't come free. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, yeah, as the channel was doing better, I was able to invest more and more into it and then became getting a wrestling ring. And then we got a better wrestling ring and then we got into a warehouse and it was literally just as we signed all this stuff, this adpocalypse hits and takes away 90% of our revenue. And now it's, yeah, if we didn't have the pay-per-views and the support on Patreon and the support on the pay-per-view, that there's no way I could afford to run my channel now because it's not, you know, some channels can run with zero budget. You know what I mean? Like they're just, oh, I'm making videos about my life or something. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that's not what this channel is. We actually have a budget. It's like a business to where, you know, I have wrestlers I have to pay and I have a building I got to pay rent to and a wrestling ring I got to keep up maintenance on 
and wrestling attires and, you know, all that kind of stuff that we need to keep the show going. And now there's just no revenue coming in at all unless it's from pay-per-view or Patreon. And it's and, a disgrace. And are the pay-per-views, are you, are you noticing... I know you do have a pay-per-view coming up this weekend with uh, SummerSlam. It's called the Sucka Slam, I believe. Right. Yeah, we and... always, like, we parody WWE stuff. So uh, have you noticed with, uh, say, like, something, are you expecting, say, uh, more viewers with, like, a, a premiere pay-per-view like the SummerSlam in comparison to, say, some one of the, you know, just the regular Raw or SmackDown-branded pay-per-views? Honestly, I don't even know because this is still so new to me. Like... You know, we used to kind of do pay-per-views, but we didn't really make them an hour and a half long or anything. But it'd be like, oh, you know, uh, it's Royal Rumble weekend. We do our own little Royal Rumble. You know what I mean? And then it was like, oh, it's it's WrestleMania week. And my Grimmamania was a week long because I'd put on two matches a day and call it Grimmamania, you know? And it wasn't like one big three-hour video that I was selling. It was more segmented matches all week long because we would get the ad revenue from each video you so know with, with this upcoming weekend or is this something that um you're recording this weekend or is this something already pre-recorded or is this something uh, how exactly will you be running it this weekend <laughs> um well basically it's you know we try to be a little bit ahead of the game on these th type of things because you know anything can happen but um you know as far as I think that we have a lot of uh, goodwill towards it. A lot of our fans understand that wrestling is under attack from YouTube and that, you know, our show can't go on without the support. So I, I think that it's going to do well, and I hope that it does well, because if it doesn't, then the future looks bleak. I don't know what we're going to do moving forward. And you're, and you're facing uh, Lil Guido, right? Yes, Lil Guido, uh, Lil Guido Maritato Nunzio from WWE. Nunzio, uh, formerly from ECW as well. Right. Um, and so, that's and, and I was such a fan of him back in the day. So it's such a honor and privilege to wrestle him now. You know, it's it's really cool to to have that. Like, I mean, any kid who's sitting home watching TV, watching a wrestler on TV that they like. Hey, you get to grow up and wrestle him on a show on a pay-per-view that people care about. It's great. Um, speaking of wrestling shows, I've I know you've touched on this before. Uh, with the the Jersey Premier Championship Wrestling event, um, mm -hmm. there was an incident that happened there. I, everybody's heard the incident, so we don't need to get into the incident. But has this made you reconsider future bookings with other promotions? Um, it's not that I wouldn't take bookings with other promotions, but um, I'm not going to be so trusting of people anymore. And you know, when you're when you're in the wrestling community. Especially as long as I have been. I mean, yeah, you see some shit. You see, you know, there's some bad people here and there. But for the most part, most people are good. Most people are welcoming. That kind of thing. And I don't know. I guess I think I just let my guard down too much. And I trusted people. And said, oh, these, are, these seem like some good guys. You know what I mean? And, you know, they spoke to me nicely. And everybody shook my hand and said hello and smiled to my face. And, you know, then they attack you from behind. So I, I think I have to be a little bit more cautious of the people that I work with. And have you spoken to the promoter and any of these other folks involved since the incident? Um, the promoter who actually owns that group wasn't even involved in this event. It was a really weird thing where he kind of just lent the name of his show out to somebody else. 
but then told them I should be on the show. So, I don't know. I mean, he was cool. I mean, you know, he was nice and apologetic and said he would never work with those clowns again. And, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> um, yeah, he said he would never work with those guys again. He was very apologetic. But the the promoter who was actually there at the time, I believe he was in on it. And, uh, you know, he's just a trash human being. And I feel bad for anybody who has to work with him. Um, so uh, recently you spoke on um, being involved in a new documentary called Underdogs. Uh, right. It's going to be on Netflix, I believe, next year. Give us some insight on what this Underdogs documentary is about and exactly uh, what role you have in it. Um, basically, it's a documentary about independent professional wrestling and the struggles and the backstage politics and a lot of the stuff that people don't see. <clears throat> and, um, you know, because I'm with SWF, that's um, the group that underdogs is primarily focusing on the independent group because swf even in the independent realm is really an underdog because there's such there's other independent groups that are so much bigger they draw so much more fans they have bigger name talent but at swf it's mainly you know really homegrown guys local guys what you would call underdogs and you know my role in it is you know i'm like the youtube guy you know i make videos about it I try to draw people out based on fans of mine, of my show that would want to come see me on their show. And I don't know. I think it's a really cool uh, show that they're putting together. It's going to be really interesting. There's a lot of backstage stuff that people don't know that goes on. You're going to learn a lot watching this. And this is something that's going to be on Netflix next year sometime? I believe so, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I'm not involved with the production of it at all. I'm just part of the cast. So. Sounds good. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so a typical day for Grimm. You run a YouTube channel, a wrestling company. You obviously, you know, do your blogs, your family man. Run us through a typical day. You know, obviously you wear many hats. Run us through a typical day. Oh, wow. Well, a typical day is, you know, wake up in the morning, breakfast with the kids, uh, check in on my channel overnight, make sure nothing awful's happened as far as, you know, video got flagged or, you know, uh, <laughs> some huge, I'm being accused of something horrible. You know, so I try to make sure everything's copacetic, make sure people are watching the videos, people enjoyed the videos overnight. Um, you know, and then I get to editing videos, recording videos throughout the day, spending time with the kids, spending time with the wife. Um, we hit the warehouse, we record some matches, edit those, upload those, we vlog throughout the day, whether it's we vlog early, we vlog late, or, you know, we go somewhere, edit that, upload that, and then... You know, check Twitter throughout the day, <laughs> checking comments on YouTube throughout the day, trying to make sure everybody's happy with the content and the product that I'm putting out. You know, uh, tr one of the funniest things trying to deal with is now that I run a wrestling company, so to speak, is I have a roster of guys and, you know, people have needs that want to be tended to. Hey, Grim, what am I doing on the show tomorrow? Who am I facing? Well, I don't like that guy. and This guy doesn't like me. And. I'm not sure about that guy, and well, how come that guy gets the belt and I don't? <laughs> and it's a lot of, you know, tending, a lot of tending, when, especially when you have that many people. So looking into the future, how, you know, obviously the sky's the limit with a lot of things, but with YouTube, with the, you know, the wrestling company, are you looking to expand this into something more than it is right now? Because obviously you get help from 
other people, friends. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, you know, on the business side, but are you looking to expand more into something bigger than it even is today? Uh, you know, you never know because I never – if you asked me two years ago if I would be here today, I would tell you absolutely not. I would say, there's no way. <laughs> but, uh, you know, two years ago, I was just beating up the mailman in my front yard. You know what I mean? And and then a year after that, I had a, a, a little uh, backyard ring in my grandmother's backyard. And now, a year later after that, now I have a professional ring in a warehouse. And who knows where we'll be next year? You know, it could be gone. You could, YouTube could bury us shovel style tomorrow and just say, hey, we don't want this type of wrestling and violence and cursing on our platform anymore and we could just be gone. So I don't know. I mean, or we could be running live shows and we could be drawing thousands of people or we could run a live show and completely flop and draw 12 people. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where we're going. And as far as, a, you know, a collector, because obviously – you're a collector of wrestling memorabilia, figures, things like that. I know it might be hard to gauge, but how many wrestling figures do you think you own? Um, Wrestling figures or total figures? Because I collect a lot of things. Yeah, j just the wrestling figures. Okay, I would say last time I counted them, I had over 3,000, and I've probably picked up another five or 600 since. And when it comes to... Because there's a lot of wrestling fans out there who are into, like, say... Um, the figures and stuff like that. Do you have any relationships, say, uh, with Mattel? I know you do, you know, obviously, uh, uh, you know, have referrals with Ringside Collectibles. Do you have any relationships with anybody in the companies? Um, that's not really something I want to get into, but um, there has been things where, you know, uh, at Ringside Fest, I do get to talk to people that work at Mattel. And, you know, uh, you know it's not like, oh, they made this because of me, but, you know, sometimes I've thrown ideas out there, whether that was already in the works or maybe they said, hey, Grim, that was a good idea, and they went and made it. You know what I mean? It's some of the things that I've suggested I've seen come to fruition, but that's not to say that it was my idea. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one last thing before we go, we can wrap this one up, is what is your most prized possession as far as wrestling merchandise goes? Oh man, that's hard. Yeah, that's hard to say because I have lots of good things. Um, I don't know. Probably one of the I, I love all my autographed Razor Ramon stuff. Uh, you know, whenever a new Razor Ramon or Scott Hall comes out, it's just that's immediate. I mean, most I mean most figures for me are immediate anyway. But that's like, you know, I'll be excited. Oh yeah, there's a new Bret Hart coming out. Cool. But like, it's when's that new Razor coming? I need it now. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if it's a basic or an elite or as long as it's a razor figure. Right. Yeah, as long as, you know, I, I see a razor moan figure and I pop. I get excited. Okay, that was Grim from Grim's Toy Show. Where can we find you, Grim, on the internet? Plug away. You can find me on Twitter, at Grim's Toy Show. That's where I'm most active. If you want to talk, chat, ask me questions, uh, check me out on YouTube, GTS Wrestling. Type in Grim, you're going to find me. I have four channels, so it's kind of, you know, Silly Super Pop channel, Grim's Toy Show, Kid Lock DMH channel, Grim's Toy and Gaming Show, where you're going to find all the action figure stuff. I'm all over the place. If you just type in Grim, you're going to find me. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Grim, and you have a great night, man. Thank you for having me. It's yeah. uh, very appreciated.